Hello everyone. Before we get started today, I wanted to share with you some breaking news. Today, March 16th, 2021, news broke that the assistant U.S. attorney who prosecuted Lamont McIntyre for a crime he did not commit is no longer handling criminal cases. Federal court records show that since last week, Tara Moorhead has been removed from more than 20 criminal cases and that those cases have been reassigned to other prosecutors. The office's investigative summary does not identify the prosecutor by name, which is customary practice, but its description of the case mirrors one that Moorhead handled against a defendant named Gregory Orozco. In December 2017, U.S. District Judge Julie Robinson threw out Orozco's conviction on drug charges on drug charges after finding that Moorhead had interfered with his Sixth Amendment right to a fair trial. The Office of Professional Responsibility, which investigates allegations of prosecutorial misconduct, conducted its own investigation and disagreed with Robinson. But in their investigative summary, it said that the prosecutor exhibited poor judgment in adopting a more measured and less aggressive manner. Now, if you remember, Tara Moorhead threatened Nico Quinn that she was going to take away her children if she did not make a false testimony against Lamont McIntyre. And it seems to suggest that this behavior has been common in many of Tara Moorhead's cases. We will continue to follow this story as it develops, but I wanted to make sure that you guys were aware. So I will be posting this news article on the website and our social media pages. You can find our website at www.the7thstreet.com. You can also reach us on Facebook at The 7th Street Podcast, on Instagram at The 7th Street Podcast, and on Twitter at The 7th Street Pod. Now on to our show. Hello, everyone. This is Nikki, your host of the 7th Street Podcast. And today we are going to be discussing how UG Public Health is trying to battle distrust in the community surrounding vaccinations for the COVID-19 flu virus. A year ago, everything completely changed for everyone across the county, the nation, and the world. On March 13, 2020, Mayor David Alvey of Wyandotte County, Kansas City, Kansas, confirmed the outbreak and person-to-person spread of COVID-19 in the United States, the state of Kansas, and Wyandotte County. On March 16th, the local health officer entered an order prohibiting public gatherings of more than 10 people in the county and restricting the operations of certain businesses. On March 20th, such order was amended to expand to religious and faith-based activities. And then on that following day, on the 21st, the local health officer entered an order for persons in Wyandotte County to shelter in place, effective March 24, 2020, which implemented a stay-at-home order for all citizens in specifying what was considered to be essential. On March 28, the governor of Kansas, Laura Kelly, signed an executive order which established a statewide stay-at-home order, effective March 30th, superseding any county executive orders placed by the Unified Government of Wyandotte County. 
And that has been our way of life since then. So now that we are at a year later with a vaccination on the horizon, I was curious to know how well Wyandotte County was faring in light of this pandemic. On the last interview episode, Drug Abuse and Policing in KCK, we took a walk down 7th Street from police headquarters to Wyandotte County Public Health Service, and then we crossed the street to Wyandotte County Courthouse to track the pathway of how substance abuse is handled in Wyandotte County. And while reaching out to Wyandotte County Public Health Service, I came across a COVID-19 task force meeting discussing how the UG plans to mobilize resources for the new COVID-19 vaccination. When I reached out to Wyandotte County Public Health Services, I spoke with Janelle Friesen, who handles communications for UG Public Health, to discuss how well the county is currently battling the pandemic and how they are planning on administering the vaccination and educating the public. She informed me that as of March 15, 2021, we have 17,900 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in Wyandotte County since the start of the pandemic. That is 10.8% of Wyandotte County's population. She did inform me that the numbers of how many people have recovered is a little bit hard to track, but the one thing that wasn't hard to track was the number of fatalities. As a result of COVID-19, we have had 278 deaths. That's 0.17% of our population. Compared to many other cities across the country, we would be considered a success story. Although our numbers are relatively low, the fear was rightfully at an all-time high. What made the coronavirus so scary is how it seemed to attack people in many different ways, with no real rhyme or reason. The one thing we knew for sure is that some citizens would be at greater risk than others, depending on their age or whether or not they have pre-existing conditions. But the symptoms ranged from mild to fatally severe, and we even learned that there were asymptomatic carriers, which meant that this deadly virus could be carried by someone who didn't look or feel sick. From the virus to the vaccine, uncertain times cause people to try to cling to things that give them understanding. For some, it may be religion. For some, it may be science. For others, it may be something in between. The distrust that people have for institutions in this country has grown significantly over the years. But for more specific demographics, such as the black community, this distrust has been a deeply seated feeling for generations and generations and generations. So now that we have a vaccine, it is now up to Wyandotte County Public Health Services to rebuild that trust within the community. And they have been attempting to do this in a variety of different ways. One of the ways UG Public Health is trying to earn the community's trust is to have public discussions with prominent members of the community who have been vaccinated. Janelle Friesen conducted an interview with Reverend Tony Carter, who you may remember from a previous episode, is on the Police Reform Task Force, to talk about his vaccination experience. She was joined by the director of UG Public Health, Julianne Van Loo, who provided more information about vaccinations and what people should expect. Let's give it a listen. Hi, I'm Janelle Friesen. It's January 14th, and this is our weekly update from the UG Public Health Department. I'm the Public Information Officer with the Health Department. I am here once again with Julianne Van Loo, our director, and we have a new guest here today. Do you want to introduce yourself? 
Uh, yes, Janelle. My name is, uh, I'm Reverend Tony Carter. I pastor the Salem Baptist Church in Kansas City, Kansas. I also have the awesome privilege of working with good people like yourselves uh, on the Health Equity Task Force. So glad to be here today. Really glad to have you here. So I understand that you um, just got your first dose of the vaccine recently. Do you want to talk about that? Absolutely. A very positive experience. Uh, no problems, no worries. Everything went uh, uh, according to, to plan. And uh, I, it was a good experience. Uh, I don't have any side effects uh, to mention other than that right shoulder of mine is a little little sore. But beyond that, I haven't had any other uh, uh, side effects. It's a good experience. The people there were very uh, kind, uh, very knowledgeable as it relates to what they were doing. Uh, the flow with the health department uh, there at the Kmart site was uh, very controlled. Uh, I, I was, I felt safe, uh, and uh, it was just a good experience overall. It was very well uh, handled, well orchestrated. I'm really glad to hear that. Um, we're, we're pretty proud of what our staff have been able to do out at that site so far. Absolutely. Um, I'd be interested to hear you talk about um, why you decided to get the COVID vaccine. Well, you know, there's so much misinformation out there, and I think it's important for those of us who uh, are in quasi-leadership positions to lead by example. And I've always, always been a person who likes to lead from the front. Uh, I paid attention to all of the data. I paid attention to the science. I watched the news and, and all of the data coming from the CDC and from our health department, who is top notch as far as I'm concerned, uh, have talked about uh, how important it is for us to get a handle on this spread by being vaccinated. And we certainly are just at the beginning of that. And based on my work at the task force, and my exposure as a result of that, uh, I was able to get it a little earlier than some, but uh, we're expecting that it's going to come. Uh, uh, and according to the guidelines uh, by the issued by the CDC and by the KDHD here in the state of Kansas, uh, we're all going to have those opportunities. And so uh, I just feel like it's important for us to get control of this spread. We have a extremely high positivity rate here in our county. And uh, I've been paying attention to the things that are going on and it's important uh, to continue to wear our masks and wash our hands and practice social distancing and doing all of those things. And even though I've had the vaccine, I'm going to continue to do that because that's important. That's part of the information, that's part of the guidelines that are out there. And so uh, I, I wanna help us to get beyond this and uh, the vaccine gives us the best opportunity uh, to begin to get a handle on this. And uh, getting the vaccine as well as wearing the mask and, and, and washing hands and doing those things are important. And then I'll say this, we need to also have a plan. You know, we just got out of the political scene or scenarios whereby we were encouraging people to have a plan to vote. I think we need to have a plan as well uh, to receive the vaccine. And so when we, our group or age group or whatever the dynamics are, are available, we need to make sure we've made a plan to get vaccinated. 
because it's the best way uh, to decrease the spread in our community and thereby get a handle on this. Thank you so much. I don't think I could have said any of that better myself. Um, I do want to hear a little bit from Julianne. Um, I, I'm so glad to hear that, that Reverend Carter, that you haven't had much in the way of side effects after your first dose other than that sore arm, which is very, very common. Um, Julianne, I know we hear a lot of people saying that they're worried about side effects. Do you, do you want to talk a little bit about what we've seen so far from the trials and from other folks getting vaccinated in terms of what they can expect with that? Absolutely. So what we see in the trials and what is now playing out right in front of our own eyes is that the vast majority of folks have a singular symptom and that is soreness at injection site, right? That is the exact same I had. I just use it as an excuse to not do my workout that night um, and was lucky by the next day that it was it was completely gone. Um, there, there will be 10 to 15% of folks who have another kind of side effect. It could be a mild fever. It could be body aches. It could be, I just don't quite feel myself, right? like a lot of people feel when they have the flu or a cold or some other minor, minor ailment um, and are just kind of under the weather. So that, that is not uncommon. Um, we are hearing that that tends to be a little bit more severe on the second dose of the vaccine. That's part of the reason why we're really encouraging, you know, when we're working with healthcare providers or, or folks who are next in line to, to make sure that they're not sending us their entire staff at once in case for that second dose, they all are, are feeling pretty crummy the next day. So, you know, we're planning to, to vaccinate our K through 12 educators very soon. And a lot of that will happen at the end of the week on Friday so that we make sure we don't pull all of our teachers out of class. Um, so, you know, side effects are common uh, from the vaccine. They actually are a positive sign that your body is building an immune response. There is nothing abnormal about that. Uh, we just want folks to know that um, we here at our health department and at our Kmart site do take it very seriously. And we do have professionals on site if there ever were some sort of adverse reaction. But by and large, we're just seeing sore arms. Yeah. And you mentioned that there can be some more side effects after dose number two, maybe, you know, you feel like you have a cold or something. My understanding is that that's usually like a day or two, you might feel a little off, but then, you know, those side effects will clear up and, and, and you'll be on your way feeling okay. Is that, is that what you have heard from um, the data so far as well? Yes, 24 hours seems to really be it. Some folks up to 48 hours, but oftentimes by that 24 hour mark, folks are feeling much better. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Reverend Carter, how are you feeling about going into dose two? Well, I'm excited because, again, I have a mother who lives in Mississippi, and uh, I haven't been able to see her since this time last year. And, and the biggest part of that rationale is because I don't want to go and take a chance on infecting her, nor do I want to, you know, in traveling, get infected. So uh, she and I was talking the other day, and I said, Mom, she's 84, by the way. And she is scheduled to be getting her vaccine here in the next week or so in Mississippi. So when she has her vaccine and I've had mine, and then after a appropriate period of time after that, we're hoping to that I can get a chance to go and see her. So that's one of my motivations. But you know, I thought about something else in my experience at receiving the vaccine is that after I received the vaccine, they put us into a holding area for 15 to 20 minutes after to make sure that you don't have any uh, side effects or reactions to this. So that was one of the other positive things is that everything is so well orchestrated and well planned. Uh, and uh, I was excited again to, to see the level of, of, of uh, concern 
that the health department has demonstrated by doing it that way, so. All right, well, I know we don't have a lot of time, so I wanna um, wrap us up here pretty soon, but Reverend Carter, is there anything else you'd like to share? Well, I, I do want to encourage the, the general public that uh, this is extremely safe uh, and that it is necessary. Uh, you know, there have been some historical things that have happened way in the past that has called a lot of people to be hesitant about this, but I want to assure them that, that every precaution has been taken and uh, there is no reason not to receive something that's gonna help us uh, to get back to a place to where we can begin uh, interacting more so with each other. I do realize as well that there is a period of time, even after we are vaccinated, that we still need to continue to uh, wear a mask, continue to wash our hands appropriately and to be socially distanced and all of those things, because that's going to help us as a whole get a handle on this and, and, and it increases the chance of us getting uh, back to things the way we want them to be. I miss being at church. And I'm looking forward to that. And being vaccinated is one of the steps in the process of getting us back there. So thank you all for, for having me today. Thank you. Thank you for being an incredible spokesperson and, and for sharing your story. I, I truly believe it's hearing from people we know and trust that's going to help people feel comfortable with the vaccine, not hearing from doctors who are at a podium, right? And so <laughs> you do us a great service by being among us. Thank you, Reverend. Well, I love my, my family. I love my grandchildren. I have 12 grandbabies. And so I, I miss interacting with them. And that too is part of my motivation and part of why I want uh, to do everything I can to impact this positively. Well, I, uh, as we wrap up, I wanna make sure people know um, if they're interested in getting the vaccine, how they can you know, find out when it's their turn and, and be ready to come in as soon as the phases move along and they're able to do so. Um, if you go to our website, uh, wicokck.org slash COVID-19, there are some buttons at the top and there's one that says WICO Vaccine Interest Form. And you can fill that out. You can fill it out as an individual resident of Wyandotte County or as um, an organization like a church or you know a community group or as a business um, and, and fill out the information in there and put in some contact info so that you can get updated on um, vaccine availability and eligibility. So again, as we get more vaccine supplies, as we move through those phases, finding out um, when you're gonna be able to come through so that we can get people in, know who's interested in, in getting vaccinated and, and start moving that through and getting more people um, in as we're able to. I would especially encourage if you're 65 and older or if you have a family member who's 65 and older, you will be eligible in phase two, which could happen very soon, as early as next week or the week after. So if you if you have an older people in your life, help them out, help them find that survey or send them to 311 who can also fill that out over the phone on their behalf. However they fill it out, we just want them to fill it out so that as soon as we have vaccine, we can call you and get you in here. Now the UG Public Health has a difficult balancing act between encouraging people to get vaccinated without appearing to push them to get vaccinated. Because as we know, sometimes when things are pushed upon people, it can cause them to raise their eyebrows and question everything. I talked with Janelle about common myths they heard while conducting research and wanted to get her responses to those myths. 
So I thought that I would share them with you. The first myth, can the vaccine give me COVID-19? Answer, no, the vaccine cannot give you COVID-19. Of the currently authorized vaccines, none of them contain the virus that causes COVID-19. So no amount of this virus will be in your body and it can't give you COVID-19. Two, does the vaccine cause fertility problems? Answer, no. There's not evidence showing that COVID-19 vaccine causes infertility. Three, can people who are pregnant get the vaccine? Answer, the vaccine is authorized for pregnant people. The American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology recommends that those who are pregnant get the vaccine because their experts have determined that getting COVID-19 while pregnant poses a greater risk than getting the vaccine. Four, does the vaccine have a microchip in it? Answer, there are no microchips in the vaccine and no implantation of a microchip in the vaccination process. Five, is there fetal tissue in the vaccine? Answer, no. The vaccine does not contain any fetal tissue. Six, what will the vaccine cost me? Answer, the vaccine is available at no charge to you. Seven, isn't this vaccine really new? Answer, while COVID-19 is new, the technology used for the vaccines has been in development for years, like the mRNA type of vaccine used for the Moderna and Pfizer. The vaccines have gone through rigorous clinical trials and are carefully monitored by the FDA. Eight, is the vaccine safe? Answer, yes. These vaccines have been shown to be safe. Millions of people have safely received the vaccine. The FDA authorized the vaccine because it is safe and highly effective. And lastly, what about side effects? Some people have some side effects, which are normal signs that your body is building protection against COVID-19. These side effects should go away in a few days. Common side effects include pain or swelling at the injection site, tiredness, headache, muscle pains, fever, chills, and nausea. Again, these side effects are normal and mean you are building immunity. This is much safer than getting COVID-19. Now, what's not a myth are the two obstacles we are currently facing as vaccines are being administered, the new COVID variants and vaccine shortages. To learn more about these COVID mutations, Janelle recommended checking out the CDC about variants of the virus that causes COVID-19's website page. I'll be posting a link to that on the website. Now, in reference to if the vaccination will protect people from the COVID mutation, according to the CDC, so far, studies suggest that antibodies generated through vaccination with currently authorized vaccines recognize these variants. This is still being closely investigated and more studies are underway. But how is KCK battling vaccination shortages? Limited vaccine supplies are an issue. 
not only in Wyandotte County, but across the state and the country. This is gradually starting to shift, and we hope to see larger allotments of vaccines in the coming weeks and months. In the meantime, UG Public Health is working to increase access to the vaccines that they do have. For instance, they've recently opened up two more walk-ins for vaccinations in order to remove a step in the process for people to access the vaccine. We are also working on strategies to address transportation barriers and to provide vaccines for people who may not be able to come to our sites. The mass vaccination facilities are set up to distribute large volumes of vaccines as more supplies become available. And the UG Public Health is continuously working to increase their team with additional staff, contractors, and volunteers to help in those efforts. Now, if you live in the Wyandotte County area and would like to get vaccinated, the UG Public Health Department now has three vaccination sites. West Location, former Best Buy, 105th and Parallel Parkway. Central Location, former Kmart, 78th and State Avenue. And the East Location, at the Kansas National Guard. The UG Public Health is currently vaccinating people who are eligible as a part of Phase 2. That's seniors age 65 and older, and certain high-contact critical workers. There are also some other locations in Wyandotte County that offer vaccinations, and I will be placing those on the podcast website. Now, I can understand that even after listening to all of this information, you may still be hesitant about getting vaccinated. And that's because there's so much that we still don't know. One of the many things that I hear about the long-term effects, what will happen years and years down the line. Well, the truth is we won't know until that time comes. Personally, I worry about my grandmother. She's obviously getting up in age. She has pre-existing conditions. And she at this time is not interested in getting vaccinated. She's been doing a great job though. She's been staying at home. I haven't hugged her in over a year. We still wear masks around each other. But I'd like to hug my grandmother again. And I don't say that to pull at anybody's emotional heartstrings. That's just my personal story. I will be posting all of the information that I've collected from the UG Public Health, the CDC, and other sources on our website, which is www.the7thstreet.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook at The 7th Street Podcast, Instagram at The 7th Street Podcast, and on Twitter at The 7th Street Pod. All right. That's all I have for you here on 7th Street. I will catch you next time. Peace and blessings. Blessings.